On today's episode, we celebrate B-movies that are craptastic. They're cheesy, but they're good cheese. These aren't Oscar winners, but they have a charm about them that we love. Adrian and I chose two of our favorites, American Ninja from 1985 and Next of Kin from 1989. If you've never seen it, American Ninja stars Michael Dudikoff and Steve James, and it's the story of an amnesiac soldier who is trained in the martial arts, specifically ninjutsu. He gets accused of fencing arms and murder, and in the end must defeat the Black Star Ninja Camp. Then next we have Next of Kin, starring Patrick Swayze, Helen Hunt, Liam Neeson, and really a bunch of actors that you've seen in other things. Bill Paxton, Michael Pollard, Adam Baldwin, and a young Ben Stiller. Next of Kin is the simple tale of a guy from the mountains who becomes a Chicago cop and ends up having to solve his little brother's murder. Now on the pod, we discuss what we love about these movies. Adrian does a complete dissertation on the entire American Ninja franchise. What makes a movie a B-movie and specifically craptastic? We talk a little bit about the glory days of canon films and that awesome Patrick Swayze run from 1989 to 1991 with Roadhouse, Next of Kin, Ghost, and Point Break. We'll probably revisit this topic again since Hollywood has an abundance of good, bad, or craptastic movies. But until then, thanks for listening to Sidebar Forever. So, yo, man, we, um, you know... We talk about movies a lot on here, you know, amongst ourselves, and you know, we just discuss, you know, a lot of our favorites, man. But you know, speaking of favorites, you know, there are favorite movies that each of us loves individually, and and, and, and perhaps collectively, but definitely individually. That we're just like, man, you know, anytime that comes on. You know, I may not be able to watch the whole thing, but I'll watch like a piece mm-hmm. of it. You know, you kind of pick at it like it's a like it's a Thanksgiving turkey. Let me let me just let me just get a piece of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. for this particular episode, you know, we're calling it, you know, craptastic B movies, you know, because these movies aren't of the greatest quality, but to us, they're great even though i know to the wider world they might not be you know they might have they might not have the greatest of appeal you know what i'm saying but well these these are yeah yeah these are they're satisfying but they're not necessarily the highest cow these are not oscar winners (laughs) these are not uh these are not these are not gonna you know be on any critics top ten list or anything like that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, so, uh, some of the actors in these movies, this might not even be in their top ten you know best movies of all time. You know to some to, to any to any great extent. But yeah. uh, I think so. Let's start with like a like a definition then because craptastic, you know. Uh, craptacular, you know, uh, uh, crap credible. Crap I don't know. Credible. You know? <laughs> Damn. But I think the best definition I ever heard was from our friend Dexter Vines. Okay. Dexter said, you know, you've got cheese, a cheesy movie, and then you've got good cheese. That's right. You know, it's good cheese. Yeah, it's it's hacky. Yeah, that you know, that premise has been done a million times. Yeah, we saw this coming from a mile away, but the way they l- stuck the landing, it was so satisfying that I'm gonna go ahead and rock with you. I'm gonna go ahead and roll. I'm gonna go ahead and rock with you on that. Mm, you know, yeah. 
So it's it's good cheese. It's good bad. It's bad, but it's good bad. <laughs> <laughs> like like Run DMC said, not bad meaning bad, but bad meaning good. Rah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, so definitely like B-movies that are craptastic, but I'm going to let you start it off because yours, I figure we should go in alphabetical order and yours starts with an A. Yes. So I think, you know, that would that would only be proper. So. All right, cool, cool. Well, the movie that I chose uh, for this particular episode is American Ninja from 1985. Mm-hmm. All right. The final hour. The deadliest art of the Orient is now in the hands of an American. American Ninja. And this movie, man, I've loved it since I was a little boy, man. You know, watching it on VHS <laughs> back in 86. <laughs> soon as after it was released, man, my, my dad got it. On tape, you know, he dubbed the tape. He did the, the dubbing the rentals thing. That's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so we had it. We've had it. We had it in the house, you know. And man, man, I, I love this movie. I love this movie. Uh, stars Michael Dudikoff as the titular American Armstrong. Right? And also another favorite of mine. Uh, he was uh, actually kind of a hero to me uh, growing up. Mm-hmm. Steve James who played mm-hmm. um, his friend, uh, Jackson, and uh, just a, a, a host of other like character actors that, trust me, you've never seen and you probably never saw again. Maybe one. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was that bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were a couple, like um, the love ventures, uh, Judy Aronson, um, she actually was in a, um, I think a Friday the 13th or a Nightmare on Elm Street, one of those slasher movies. Um, okay. And then uh, the main villain, uh, Tadashi Yamashita, uh, he was actually mm-hmm. in The Octagon with Chuck Norris. He, okay. he played the okay. half-brother of Chuck Norris that he fought against in The Octagon, if you remember that movie. But anyway, just a very, very, very quick uh, uh, dissertation of how we arrive at American Ninja in 1985 because American Ninja was produced by Golan Globus Productions, otherwise known as the famous or perhaps even infamous Canon Films. Okay, mm. and Canon Films produced, and they're renowned obviously for producing B movies that was their stock in trade. Okay, mm. and in the early 80s. Martial arts movies, and then in particular, the subgenre of ninja movies really became a thing. It became in vogue. You can even see it in comics with Frank Miller and him doing ninjas and bringing ninjas into the plot, you know. So ninjas were really, really big in the early 80s. So Canon Films in the early 80s, they start with this movie called Enter the Ninja in 1981. And that makes enough Hmm. business... That they're like, all right, let's do another one. But here's the thing, though. They do another ninja film um, in 1983. They actually do two of them. One of them is called Revenge of the Ninja, which stars Shokishogi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the great Shokishogi. <laughs> and uh-huh. they have another one titled Ninja 3, The Domination. But there was never a Ninja 2. 
So this was an unofficial trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> so Ninja 3 stars Lucinda Dickey, who was also Kelly from the Breaking Movies, the, da- the Breakdance movies, uh, Electric Boogaloo mm-hmm. and all of that. So she stars in that. So you come forward to 1985. Apparently, ninjas are still enough of a hot commodity that Canon Films wants to continue making these films about ninjas. And they had actually tasked, um, they had uh, Chuck Norris under contract by that time. And since he was a martial artist, they were like, hey, we want to do a movie called American Ninja. Would you be willing to do it? Initially, Chuck Norris said, okay, I'm in. But then he thought about it and said, no, because my face would be covered for most of the movie. And so, no, I I don't want to do it. For that simple reason, he dropped out of it. But Mm -hmm. they had already promised the movie to distributors and, you know, other commitments. So they had to go forward with it. So they went forward with the movie by casting Michael Dudikoff. They, they basically found him in a casting call. They were like, okay, he, he has good looks. He's not a martial artist at all. No skill. <laughs> but he looks good. He has this James Dean kind of quality. We'll go with it. Meanwhile. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Exactly. So he had the marquee mm-hmm. quality. But meanwhile... Mm-hmm. It was Steve James that I always looked for in the in these American Ninja movies. You know what I'm saying? And he mm-hmm. actually was a martial artist, stunt man, and, and a pretty pretty decent actor. You know what I'm saying? What's he gonna win yeah. any any awards or anything? But, but anyway, uh, American Ninja comes out in 1985. It does enough business that they're like, all right, this is gonna work. And the plot of American Ninja is that basically. This guy, Joe Armstrong, is a amnesiac. Uh, I don't know how he got how he got into the army. Then how was he drafted into the army? He has no social security, nothing. Okay, <laughs> he's just there. So he's in the army, and apparently on this same island, um, there is a industrialist who is smuggling weapons. He's buying them secretly from. Somebody in the army, and he's getting these weapons, okay? And he has a force of ninjas to enforce his will and do his bidding. So Joe Armstrong somehow becomes embroiled in this plot, and he has to take on this cadre of ninjas and this industrialist. And he finds a love interest with the commander of the base where he's um, stationed at, and it sounds complicated, but it really is not. It is a very simple plot. It is a good <laughs> 90 minutes of just, man, it gives you everything you need. Some martial arts action, some ninjas flipping, katanas, little love interest, man, machine guns, 80s army action. It's all you need. You know what I'm saying? And... The reason I love this movie so is that it struck me as, like I said, when I was a little boy and I was already into all that stuff. I was already into army Mm -hmm. stuff. I was already into, you know, like um, martial arts stuff, you know, so it just hit me at the right time. And the thing with American Ninja 2, they went forward with uh, five, well, four sequels. 
there was an American Ninja 2, 3, 4, wow. and 5. Wow. Yes. And it finally petered out about 1993. Okay. And I believe that was it. So five, uh, four sequels, and it finally petered out. You know, so no more American Ninjas, you know. And the, and the crazy thing is, is that, and, and, and I'll close it with this, man. The crazy thing is, with American Ninja, uh, Michael Dudikoff was the American Ninja in the second one. And then in the third mm-hmm. one, they put him on to other things, but kept Steve James, right? And so mm-hmm. you go forward, and in the third one, they replace the title character with this guy named David Bradley, who, again, he looked great, handsome guy, and he actually was a martial artist, but his acting was... terrible terrible you know but Mm -hmm. they kept him on as the american ninja for three four and five and the thing about american ninja four is they actually brought back michael dudikoff so that both michael dudikoff and this guy david bradley were both in the same movie it would be like Today, when they have like the two different Spider-Man or three different Spider-Man, they're crossing over mm-hmm. in one movie. That's what it was like in 1990. We was like, <laughs> oh man, I remember thinking as a kid, they got both of them in the same movie. Wow! Right, right. <laughs> blew it, look, it blew your little your little preteen mind. It yo. did. I was like, wow, they got both of them in the same movie. That's crazy. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, American Ninja, that really, to me, that, that still is a, you know, cheesy, cheesy, super cheesy, Velveeta cheesy B-movie that is close to my heart, man. I will always love okay. it, man, for sure. So I got to ask you, when you first fell in love with this movie as a kid, were you aware of its good badness, its craptasticness or were you thinking oh no this is high entertainment and then as you got older you realized that it was bad that's exactly what happened as a kid you know as a kid you just kind of take it like as is man like man this is great you know like even when it would show up on tv in the edited version i would be like i know that's not really what happened but i'm still gonna watch it anyway because american ninja's on tv you know (laughs) right and then as i got older and really that whole that whole spectrum of canon films, you know, a lot of right. their library, right. I just fell in love when I was younger, you know. And then as I got older and realized, eh, yeah, these aren't these aren't great, great quality. No. Right. But I still <laughs> rock with them anyway, you know, for sentimental reasons and just sometimes, man, you know, you just you just you just want to kick back on a Sunday afternoon zone out and just chill with like some comfort food and that's kind of what these movies are it's comfort food man yeah for sure yeah yeah absolutely and and you were talking er earlier you were talking about steve james i i kind of felt the same way because steve james was like you said a character actor or or, i guess you could call him a um He's not a stunt man. He's like a stunt actor, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, usually, if a stunt man has 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 lines, has, if they have lines, then then he or she is considered a stunt actor. But you know, I remembered him from you know lots of other kind of you know paramilitary mm-hmm. 
martial arts kind of B movie. Some of them C level movies. Yeah. Um, he was in uh, To Live and Die in L.A. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in uh, The Brother from Another Planet. Yes. And then more famously, especially in the uh, in the black community, you know, he was in uh, I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker, yes. and he was in uh, The Hollywood Shuffle. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, him showing up in things was always, like you say, he was always kind of ever present uh, here and there, especially for the kinds of films that that we grew up loving in the in the 80s and the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, of this particular uh, variety. Now, I have to admit, I've never seen any American Ninja movie. Like, not one. <laughs> you don't have to start, but I, <laughs> it is like it is like a like a. This is this is tough to say. It is kind of like a wine to where you kind of have to have a taste for it and know what you're right. getting. You know, say before yeah. you drink it. You know, otherwise it's just gonna yeah. taste bitter. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and these movies, in a weird way, you make the uh, you make a uh, a food comparison. They're they're like junk food, you know, like like on a Friday after school, you know, you might eat like a big bag of Doritos and and some and some root yes, beer, yeah. And that's literally the nutritional value that you would get from movies like these. Yes. It's just like Doritos and root beer, you know, you know where you know just there's there's no nourishment. Right. It's just, you know, oh, man, you know, the dopamine hits in your brain from the, you know, from the, the sodium and the glucose and the and the, the corn tortillas and the syrup and the root beer, just just all of that. Yeah. But um, not that Rotten Tomatoes is any any real, you know, arbiter of, uh, you know, of, of what's great and what's not great. But uh, I think it got a 20 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, American Ninja. Yeah, well. <laughs> so, you know, according according to what you're willing to admit here, apparently that was well earned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the film, and did Dudikoff do anything else really other than this? Uh, yes, actually, yes. Um, he was still under contract with Canon Films after he dropped out of the uh, after the first two American Ninjas. He also did a movie after that called River of Death. In 1989 for Canon Films, which was not great. Okay. I, I remember watching it as a kid. And I was like, oh, Mike. Oh, oh, Mike. Man, come on, Mike. Damn. And right. him and Steve James actually starred in another movie in 86, the year after American Ninja, called Avenging Force. Um, yeah. 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 So, and, and, and then in 91, Dudikoff also does a movie called The uh, Human Shield. Um, and then after that, just very, very spotty here and there, never mm-hmm. rising above that B movie level. He's never been in mm-hmm. any A list productions, nothing like that. He shows up periodically, just in the stratosphere of B movies. You know what I'm saying? He's well, he's he's mm-hmm. a that guy to quote the rewatchables. You know, you'll see right. like, oh, oh, Michael Dudikoff. Oh, okay, all right, right, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. he uh, you know what would be funny is is you know how Tarantino is known for grabbing these B movie actors that he really loves, these character actors that he really loves, and then featuring them prominently in his films. Yeah, and only really like real cinephiles and real real you know movie heads will catch is like oh Robert Forrester yeah. or or oh you know even even for John Travolta at the time in '94 with uh, Pulp Fiction he was like oh damn John Travolta you know and he's got this ponytail and 
you know, and he's dancing and shit, you know, it's like, you know. Uh, so I, I wonder if Dudikoff might ever uh, reach that level with, uh, you know, where someone will feature him. Even like in um, Training Day, mm. where they cast, uh, you know, like a, probably a 60-year-old uh, Tom Berenger yeah. as one of the uh, kind of downtown fat cats that Denzel's character, Lorenzo, goes to uh, to visit at the uh, restaurant, yeah. you know. Um, but, um, but yeah, man. Um, okay. So my choice is one of my absolute favorite craptastic good, bad movies. Yeah. It's uh 1989's Ow. next of kin. When these boys head for the city, someone better head for the hills. We ain't seen bad yet, but it's coming. Next of Kin. Starring uh, Patrick Swayze, Liam Neeson, Helen Hunt, uh, Adam Baldwin, mm. and a very young and unknown at the time, Ben Stiller. <laughs> Damn, I forgot Remember about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ben Stiller's in it. And there are a bunch of other that guys, like you just referenced a minute ago, in terms of these uh, these guys who are playing like, you know, Henchman number three and henchman number four, who you've seen in a bunch of other movies. Was Bill Paxton in that as well? And Bill That's Paxton. And Bill Paxton. Okay. The, the the late great Bill Paxton is in it as well. I'll, how could I possibly forget yeah. him? Um but next to Ken, nineteen eighty-nine. I don't know who directed it. Mm. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know anything like that. All I know is is the it's the story. It's basically a a country mouse who goes to the city. And tries to become a city mouse, and more specifically, a, a Chicago cop. Yeah. And uh, and his brother is killed, and he's tasked with figuring out what happened to his brother. And and there's like a whole kind of a, uh, you know, kind of a uh, um, organized crime conspiracy going on. And in that process, what happens is is his his older brother Briar uh, comes to Chicago to also try to solve the murder and. We find out throughout the course of the movie that um, Patrick Swayze's character and Liam Neeson, who plays his brother Briar, you know, they've never gotten along. It's kind of classic, you know, like Cain and Abel kind of a rivalry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Briar's going to salve it the mountain way. You know, the family is from the the hills of Kentucky. Yeah. And uh, he's going to solve it the mountain way, which means I'm going to find out who did this and I'm going to kill him, Mm -hmm. you know. And Swayze is the, you know, the, the country mouse turned city mouse, and he's a cop, and he says, no, you, we got to let the, the, the law and the process do its thing. And so he and the brother butt heads, and they, in, they interact with the gangsters, and it's just, it's just a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Now, the thing about it that, to me, makes it craptastic is, is mm-hmm. you know, there are just a few things that happen, you know, like, well, let me, let me do this. First of all, I want to sing the praises of Liam Neeson. That accent, for sure. That accent was yes. spot on. He sounded like every trailer park hillbilly redneck you have ever heard, yes. you know, from Virginia or from K- Kentucky. It was spot on. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I think the only things I had seen him in prior to this maybe would have been, was he in Husbands and Wives? Husbands. Woody Allen? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because I, I wasn't even familiar I, with him until like Dark Man in 90. Yeah. yeah. He had, I'd seen him in Dark Man and I'd seen him in, I believe it's Husbands and Wives. Okay. He did one Woody Allen movie. Okay. Um, 
And um and so that was all I knew. But he totally pulled off this this kind of you know mountain hillbilly vibe. Mm-hmm. And he and he was great. He was, you know, still very charismatic and uh and held his own with Swayze. You know, Swayze was charismatic and doing his thing. Yeah. Uh, but but the thing that makes it craptastic is just some of the some of the th- you know, like the you know, you see uh Swayze's character. You know, he meets up with Bill Paxton's character. That's supposed Bill Paxton's playing his little brother. Bill Paxton's southern accent is horrible. <laughs> he does not sound he doesn't sound like like uh like a southerner. Uh-huh. Um you know he's gonna get killed. You know that's gonna set, you know, uh, the the events in motion for the rest of the film. Uh there's a piece at the beginning of the movie where uh, there's some some hillbilly who's shooting up a, like a bar or whatever, and the police are in a standoff with him outside. And Swayze drives up, and he's got his hat, yeah. and he's got his boots, and um, he's talking on the bullhorn, and and he's talking to the guy. He knows the guy because the guy's from his hometown. And then Swayze just walks in, and he's shooting at Swayze, and bullets are just whizzing by Swayze. Swayze just strides and just walks right through it, and they're all like amazed by it. And it's kind of like something out of like the remember the Andy Griffith show where Andy Griffith did that, yeah. they, like they literally took that scene from Andy Griffith. Where Andy Griffith, <laughs> you know, they're shooting and Andy Griffith just walks into the gunfire, and they're like, you know, the feds are like, "Why did you just walk into that gunfire? That was irresponsible." He said, "Look, look, I know how good a shot so and so is. If he wanted to shoot me, he'd have done it a long time ago." <laughs> and it's the same thing in this movie, but the gangsters in this movie are. 2D, you know, just, you know, surface level gangsters, you know, they're cooking spaghetti yeah. and making like sauce and stock. Yeah. Central <laughs> casting. Just all of exa- it. And in fact, one of those all gangsters of by face, he was also one of the um, henchmen in The Last Boy Scout. You know the one I'm talking about? Like you've seen his face yes. before. It's like, oh yes. yeah, yes. he's from... Last Boy Scout. Yes. And other things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 This there were a bunch of them in there. The, the all of the henchmen were like, you know, you recognized them uh from other things and, and things they did later on. Yeah. But, but like at one point in the movie, you know, this is after Patrick Swayze is he's 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 gone as far as he can trying to do things the law way. Mm-hmm. And then he decides he's gonna take the, you know the law in his own hands where he takes his badge off. And they say, you're a, you're a cop. You're a police detective. And he slams his badge in his boss's hand. It's not anymore. You know? <laughs> because not only have they killed his younger brother, Bill Paxton's character, but now they've killed Briar, who is Liam Neeson's character. So Swayze's had enough. He's, 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 go, he's taking it back. He's going to do it the mountain way. Yeah. You know? And throughout the course of the movie, Liam Neeson kept telling him, you ain't mountain no more. Yes. You ain't mountain no more. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but anyway... He's going after the bad guys. He's in over his head. And before Liam Neeson's character uh, is killed, you know, he's staying at this kind of weekly motel flop house. That was another thing. It was like, you know, you come to town, you you stay in the weekly motel flop house with all of the drunks and the drug addicts and all of the degenerate, Mm -hmm. you know, gamblers and whatnot. And he makes friends with the guy who runs his floor. And he tells him, look, if anything happens to me, you dial this number and let him know. So when this guy finds out that Briar, Liam Neeson's character, is dead, he goes down and he calls the number, and the number rings at like at the store in the town where Swayze and Liam Neeson's the, the family is from in Kentucky, 
And you just see the brother say, well, thank you so much for letting us know that. And he just hangs and up the phone. And then they all just start loading up to go to the yeah. city. It's on, baby. It's on. We about to put Kentucky foot in that Chicago ass. <laughs> and so they, they start, you know, they start getting their gun, cleaning their guns, and they got their hound dogs. And one of their family members, he he loves snakes. So he has like a bus full of snakes. Yeah. And uh and they they're getting all their gear together and they're getting their weapons. It's almost like a training montage, although they're not training for shit. Yeah. And then at one point, you see the wives and the mothers and the aunties making sandwiches for them. Like, they get ready to go on the chef, yo. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> oh, man. And then there's, you know, there's a big showdown yeah. in the, uh, with the gangsters in the, uh, in the, in the uh, cemetery. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was, it's just a really fun movie helen hunt is great she plays kind of like you know uh patrick swayze's wife but she's you know she's more of a uh you know more educated and more artsy yeah you know and she's she's a professional musician Mm -hmm. and uh when she goes back home with them to kentucky they say i heard you play the fiddle (laughs) will you play the fiddle for us and then she'll she starts playing and she's playing this really sweet romantic kind of uh number but she's great in it this is way before mad about you or any of the other things that you would have seen helen hunt yeah uh, way before Bill Paxton, after Terminator, mm-hmm. uh, before True Lies. That's right, and it's after Aliens as well. This is eighty nine. After Aliens, so he's right yeah, in that after period. Aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is all before that. Um, Adam Baldwin, you've seen in a bunch oh, of other yeah. things. Probably most most famously, he was the uh, like one of the military guys in uh, Independence Day. Yeah, and he was Animal Mother in Full Metal Jacket. There we yeah. go. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Um, and I'm trying to think who else. And then Ben Stiller plays the son of the gangster, which is weird because that Ben sure Stiller is. doesn't look Italian. Right. He doesn't look Italian at all, but he plays the son of the gangster. And of course, you know, the other uh, uh the other kind of uh number two and number three gangsters, they hate Ben Stiller because he's kind of a he's kind of a, a snot, yeah. you know. He's not tough, he's not, he's not ruthless like they are and so they actually kill him mm-hmm. you know and then make it look like somebody else did it make it look like that uh briar that uh that swayze's uh brother did i think swayze's character's name was morgan if i'm not mm-hmm. mistaken mm-hmm. and uh and then at the end of the movie at the big fin- the big uh, uh uh standoff at the cemetery you know the head gangster shows up and he points the gun at patrick swayze and you think he's gonna shoot swayze and then he you know the camera's on and it turned the barrel turns and he focuses on his number two and he says this is for killing my son and then he shoots him and kills yeah. him you know and then Swayze and the head gangster you know they, they go Kinda. to the side and they shake hands and say yep. okay there's, there's no more beef between our families right yeah no more beef you know and that's the end of the movie but I, I love it man it, it would come on cable from time to time I loved it every time it would pop, pop up like you said I would just sit down and I would just, you know, just watch yeah. it and just, uh, and just, you know, all my favorite, uh, my favorite scenes in it. But yeah, for sure. Have you ever seen this? I know you're a roadhouse guy. Yes. But had you ever seen this all the way through? Man, I saw it um, years ago. And in fact, I saw it initially as a little kid um, as an ABC Sunday night movie, believe it or not. 
And okay. my dad actually let me stay up for a little while for a part of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. but um, I, I'd seen the rest of it when I was a little bit older. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of the scenes that you're recounting, I was like, oh, yes, I do remember that, especially the showdown in the cemetery. It was like a school bus mm-hmm. or something. You know what I'm saying? Well, there's the snake, the family member who's really into snakes, he had a school bus yeah. and all of his snakes were on there. So, you know, they're like shooting and, and fighting and shooting the arrows yes. and, and throwing throwing hatchets and whatnot at the uh, at the bad guys. And one of them chases the one of the bad guys onto the school bus. And this, and then the uh, the this, the family member who's a snake handler. I guess these are like you know kind of a, 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 a revivalist type. You know, he locks them in the bus with the snakes, and there's snakes everywhere, every fucking. And I just way. remember you the, know, like maybe a hundred of yeah, them. Yeah, the face <laughs> of the gangster was. I think it might have been the gangster we were talking about earlier that was in last week. Yes. Ah, ah, ah. yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. but you know what's what's yeah. interesting though, man, is like Swayze about this time was really coming into his own as far as like being pretty much he was ascending to being an A list actor almost, you know, in terms of yeah, he has Dirty Dancing, um, he has this, then Roadhouse, and then obviously in '90 he has Ghost. So his career mm-hmm. is really on the rise; it's really ascending, man. You know what I'm saying? Right, as a leading man. It, it, and, and, you know, you have to think about the demarcation point because Dirty Dancing and Red Dawn oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and, the out, and the Outsiders was all years before. And Dirty Dancing kind of makes them kind of a heartthrob. Right. But then, you know, by the time you get to 89, where you get Roadhouse and then you get Next of Kin, now it's like, oh, he's, he's not just a, you know, uh, you know, some fleet footed, you know, heartthrob with, with, with a long mane of, of mullet hair in the back or whatever. <laughs> You know he's you know he he can do action and he can do more serious things. Yeah. And then by the time we get to Ghost, you know where he just blows oh, up. Yeah. You know, that's that's a huge movie. Demi Moore is a huge star. I think because of that movie, that's the movie that really put her on the map. I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then right after that, you got Point Break. That's you know, right. Ninety one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he does Point Break in 91 with, you know, with Gary Busey and with Keanu Reeves. And that was a huge success. I think it was a huge success. Oh, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. uh, um, and so that that was a really stellar run. And, not, and then I'm not sure after that, I think it gets a little bit bumpy from there. Yeah. And then maybe within 10 years of that is when he gets diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. And then we unfortunately lose him, uh, you know, sometime after that. Yeah. But he does. Uh, the last thing I saw him in after this run was Black Dog. Yeah, the trucker movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Black Dog, directed by Kevin Hooks. Mm. Uh, uh, that was the last thing I saw him in. And he he looked a good bit older in that. He was definitely playing. You know, he was in his forties, I guess, at the time. Yeah. Uh, and he's playing, you know, an, an, a kind of an older middle-aged character. Yeah, and I seem to remember even after that, there was another movie that he was in where he was also playing like a father, and Halle Berry was in the movie, you know, if if I'm not mistaken. And I'm trying to remember okay. what the title was, but yeah, they ended up uh, starring in a movie together. And he played a father of some kids, and she comes into their lives and something like that. But yeah, thereafter, okay. you're you're exactly right. Like after Black Dog, which was just like his last kind of 
action hit. Now he, now, he did other, like, straight-to-video movies. I will say that. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, he did other straight-to-video action movies, but nothing very memorable. Nothing, you know, even yeah. approaching, like, you know, the you know, Hollywood uh, productions that he had been starring in, you know, years previously. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's he was... Swayze was... Um, he was a unique character in Hollywood, in the Hollywood ranks because, you know, not unlike like a Paul Newman, you know, he was married. He and his wife were married, I think, for 30 years. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, uh, you know, one spouse for 30 years, had a very long relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, she was with him up until literally up, up to the uh, to the end. Mm -hmm. um, and you just don't really see that much, you know, that much in Hollywood, uh, you know, anymore. Yeah. Uh, as far as, you know, as far as Hollywood couples go. I mean, you know, we got... We got Hollywood couples now where some people who are working on the third and fourth marriage and they, they're not even 50 years old. Yeah. You know. <laughs> For sure. You know. So, but yeah, man, just, just, you know, a great movie. I think it got like a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. This is, this is one of those films. Next of Kin is one of those films where. The critics are going to, you know, they're going to tear it apart. They're going to, they're going to call it out for what, for what they see it being. But the audience you know the audience is 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 gonna like it, like you said, because it's a good Friday night movie. You know, get you some pizza, get you some, yeah. you know, get you some Doritos, oh, get you some root oh, beer, yeah. and just kind of sit down with it and, and enjoy. So. Exactly, and, and and ultimately, the audience is the ultimate arbiter, if you will, for these type of movies. And I think you know there will always be room for these type of craptastic B movies. That concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.